Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Father, we come before you in prayer just saying thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to come before your throne of grace and to learn just that much more about you. Father God, uh, we simply come before you just throwing ourselves at the feet of your throne, Lord, asking for some grace and some mercy because, Father, each day that we go forth, we, we need you more and more. Lord, I ask that you would sit me, J.R., the man down, and that you, O sovereign Lord, would rise up big inside of me, proclaiming your word of truth, placing your words upon my lips and speaking to our hearts. Father, we thank you for this food in advance. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. So for Bible study tonight, um, I won't really be before you too, too long. There is. Um, a scripture that I would like to share with you guys. We are familiar with it. And I heard it very recently um, in a little snippet from a minister talking about this. And the way they explained it, because, you know, sometimes we as people like to say things and kind of add our own little spin to what we believe the Bible says, but it's not actually in there. You know, human error, but we thank God for the truth because it is the truth that sets us free, keeps us right, and, you know, makes sure that we're on the right path. So let me go ahead and just give you a little preface to things. And it's with the simple fact that, you know, God is so very good. and whenever we go through different things in life it's to help us train us teach us get a lesson across get a point across to help us really grow and elevate to that next level that god needs us to be at right and whenever we go through these different things i know in a lot of situations self included sometimes we don't really enjoy being in them right growth is never a fun experience because it hurts, right? Even the natural form of growing, where we have what doctors and what we call the phenomena growing pains because your bones stretch, your muscles grow, all of these different things. Emotional growth hurts because we have to accept what we call hard truths. Everything in life that's worth having, it hurts to some degree because we have to go through a process where we're broken down and built back up again. But I'm very grateful that in the process that God takes us through, that when we are being broken down, that we're not being left alone to where we could be ravaged by wolves, right? When God breaks us down, it's done in an environment that he has personally set up, meaning that if the enemy is allowed And let's really hang on that word aloud, okay? If the enemy is allowed to have some form of interaction in a growing process or a season or a trial or a tribulation that the Lord is allowing you to go through, there's that word again, it's with the express consent for you to turn to him more. 
to be able to grow, to lean on him more, right? Everything God does is for the purpose to grow us. It's to help us to not lean on what we think we know, but to lean on him, to stop leaning on resources, things that are tangible, things that decay like our bodies do, but to lean on the intangible, the unending, right? On the most holy God, one that has no beginning and has no end. I mean, he says he is the beginning and the end, right? That means that he'll be there before it and he'll be there way after it because he doesn't exist in the same confines of time in the way that we can perceive things. He's everlasting and ever living. It's, it's just a beautiful concept. But the point of all of these things is for him to get us and wean us off of the world and to put us in the proper place of having our dependency be solely on him. A good example of what a healthy relationship with Jesus looks like is to be independent of the world, but solely dependent upon him. It's okay for us to lean on one another, right? That's why God put us in our lives, but we shouldn't become codependent upon each other to where we're hinging on each other in a place where that should be God's position, right? God's one of his many name is jealous and it's. I mean, it's self-explanatory. The Lord, our God, is a jealous God. There should be no one before him, right? <clears throat> Everybody that is there in your life should come after. It's God first and then figure the rest out. The Bible is a very good example of how we should, you know, really set up things. But I say all of this to say it's that one of the things we hear most often, and that honestly isn't quite true, and that um I talked about this earlier in the room when I was just chilling with granny. It's that, you know, we, we hear the misconception that God won't put more on your plate than you can bear. Well, is that really what the Bible said? Like, is, is that really what it told us? Or did it say something different? <clears throat> and we just kind of liked how that sounds. And we, we rolled with it, right? You know, oh, God won't put more on you than you can bear. You know, he, he doesn't do that. He's not going to make you feel like you're going to break. Uh, let's uh, let's debunk that. OK, so we're only going to look at two verses of scripture. Right. But they're very important. We're going to take a look at first Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. And the Bible says about that. And we're going to read it in the King James first for the vernacular. And then we'll read it in, you know, a more modern translation. It says that, <clears throat> wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And if we just throw in. Uh, verse 14, because it is important. It says, wherefore, my beloved, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Very important, especially with what we're talking about. Right. But in the New Living Translation, it says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. Right? Now, let's work with this. 
<clears throat> what is the Bible telling us? Well, first and foremost, it's that we're not as strong as we think we are. And Brother Paul talks about this in uh, the book of Romans, right? We, when we are weak, we are strong. Why? Because we get out of our own way thinking we know it all, thinking that our train of thought is the right way, right? But in the book of Psalms, and it may be Proverbs, one of my beautiful Bible scholars, please help me out here. It says that there is a way which seems right unto a man, right? But it leads unto the ways of death. Now, that's very important. It doesn't say that it leads to death, but that it leads to the ways of death, right? So death and death, everything else to do with it. What does that mean? It means that when we think we're doing something the right way, because we think we know better, right? Well, what happens? Um, Well, we know that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So that not only means if we're not saved that we don't get to see God's glory, but we have to go to a very real hill. Um, but it also means that there's the death of relationships, of dreams, of ambitions, of, of hope, of chances, of some favor, of so many different things, right? It leads to death because we think we know something. And 20 times out of 10, right? A 200% chance that when God has favor over your life and you have some godly people in your circle, he gives you warnings, he gives you correction, he gives you reproof, he shows you the right way to go, the real way, because he is the way. He's saying, choose him. Remember, I placed before you this day life and death. So please choose life. And thank you, Aunt Bilva. That's Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse 25. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. The New International Version. But we, we do these things and we think we know what's up and we don't. And we end up running into a brick wall like that wall behind me. If I run into it right now, I'm going to hurt myself. And that's not fun. But to the left of me, um, there is a door. And if I follow God's path, because he is the path, then I can walk through said door and get to where I need to go, which is important. So what does that tell us about this right here? Right. We don't know anything. And it would be in our best interest to really lean on God. It then says that, especially in the King James Version, because the, the diction here is the important part. It says that there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now we hear something like that. Oh, it, it's sex, right? No, it, it's not about your body wanting to cling to somebody else's body. It's a very prevalent issue that we, even as believers, deal with, you know, here, here and there. And it's something that was addressed throughout the canon of gospel, throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's called disbelief. We, those of us who are saved currently and have been walking with the Lord for a while, have been brought through quite many things, right? But even then, sometimes we doubt God, right? Or we don't doubt God, but we doubt that we'll get through the situation, which in turn is doubting God, because the same God who brought a bunch of slaves out of slavery through the wilderness across a sea that they walked on dry ground, as the Bible says. Let me just point that out. 
The ground where the Lord split the water was not even wet. It was dry. Where they were taken to a mountain, a bunch were murdered for being, um, well, let's just say retarded. And then they walked in a circle for 40 years. And in those 40 years, the same clothes they had on their backs did not wither, decay. If I wash this shirt enough, um, my letters will begin to fade and they've already begun to fade. But they didn't have that issue. Their shoes didn't wear out. The soles on the bottom didn't get smooth from over usage. They, they were good. That same God who delivered those people, the same God who got you uh, through those breakups, those pregnancies, those trying times at work, your various, you know, encounters with almost full on mental breakdowns, the same God who has done just any and everything to get you to where you need to be. The God, might I remind you, who does not cater to your emotions because your emotions honestly don't matter. The Bible tells us that the heart is desperately wicked above all else and that it means us no well, but that God isn't catering to how you feel in a moment because if he did that, we'd never grow, but he's catering to the future that he has in store for you. That's why we're allowed to go through these trying things so that we can be who God has already predestinated us for us to be. It's a process. So it's telling us It's that, you know, he's not going to let that be the end of us. There's so many people throughout the New Testament, like the man who asked the Lord to to heal his sick daughter. And he said, you know, Father, help me with my disbelief, right? Sound familiar? I can't think of how many times in this past year alone where I've prayed that, Lord, I trust that you can, but. I know I'm lacking in my own faith a little bit, so please help me out. It's a thing. But what does it say? It said, but God is faithful, who will not suffer us to be tempted above what we are able. And in the New Living Translation, and God is faithful, he will not allow the temptation to be more than we can stand. So what does that say? That aside from disbelief, and it's real tempting to be, you know, unfaithful, in certain situations where we allow the enemy to trick us and think that, oh, this is the end. Woe is me. You know, and God is just looking at his watch on his wrist like, uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you done? Okay. Because I'm going to get you through this. And not only am I going to get you through it, but I'm going to bring more glory to my name and bless you more than you've ever been blessed before. I just need you to, that magic word, trust me. You know. That's just God, though. He's wonderful. So he helps us with that. And when we're tempted, he'll show us a way out so that we can endure. And then we're warned once again, as we'll be warned up until the very end of the Bible, flee from idolatry. But what does all of this say about what I told you, right? Is it is it making any sense yet? Well, I hope so, because let me explain it to you. At no point in that did it say that God wouldn't put more on me than I can bear. What it said was, is that temptation, meaning the things that are already inside of my own heart, according to the book of James, that when we're tempted, it's because those things were already dormant inside of our own heart. That's why it's desperately wicked, because this body of ours is full of affliction and sin. It wants to do wrong. It hates God. Meanwhile, your spirit, if it's been saved and remade, loves him. 
So it's a war going on. But at no point in there did the Bible say that God wouldn't put more on my plate than I can bear. It's just that he wouldn't allow the temptation to overtake me, right? Which means is that that plate that we talk about, that he won't overload. Oh, like I told Granny and Granny agreed. And, you know, we we can call this gospel truth is that that plate that we admonish so much, he's going to take it. He's going to throw it as hard as he can at the wall. He's going to drop kick it. He's going to give it a nice elbow. He's going to throw it in the fire. He is going to turn it into a billion trillion zillion pieces until it is unrecognizable why because what we have to present to god is not the end goal that he's trying to present to the world that's just how simple the math is if i give what i have right now to god and he gives it back to the world well you know it's only a tiny portion of the end goal that he has for me in particular, right? And that the same goes for all of us. But when we present ourselves to God, what he does is, is that he shows the breaking process to the outside. Why? Because when they see you going through the process of going from old to new, what happens? How did you get there? How did you make such a miraculous change? Well, that's the answer right there. It was miraculous. It was a miracle. And the only one capable of miracles is God. And so that means that I have to be in direct relationship with God. And I'm not talking about a God. I'm talking about the God whose name is Jesus. That's the only way I made it there. And so when he breaks my plate, when he throws it at the wall at high speed, when he tosses it back into the fire because he's not pleased with it, what does God do? Well, we talked about this very briefly. I read an article that a wonderful uh, woman wrote talking about uh, God refining silver, right? And she did some research and she went, found a silversmith and she talked to him and she asked him, well, how do you know when silver is ready to come out of the fire. You know what the silversmith told her? He said, I know it's ready to come out of the fire when I can see myself in its reflection. Well, 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 doesn't that sound oddly familiar? God allows us to go through trials, tribulations, storms, testings, get just hold over and open fire for periods of time, not because he hates us, but because he loves us more than anything. And I, as a person who loves to create things, I labor with it until it comes out the way I know it can come out till I'm happy with the finished product, right? That means that if you are continuously going through trials in your life, count yourself very favored in God's eyes, because that means he has so much more for you. I I don't know how many trials and tribulations I've gone through in this year, but I'm grateful for them because like the book of James says, I can count it all joy because that means that my perfecting process of my faith or my trust in God has not even come close to where it needs to be. That means as far as I've come, I have so much more to go and I'm grateful because if anybody knows me and above all my father knows me i hate staying in one spot for too long it drives me crazy i have a job right now that god bless me with and 
Personally, I'm bored stiff with it. I've been applying a new job since I got it. That doesn't mean I'm ungrateful for it. But what I have learned in my life is that sometimes God will answer a prayer to show you that the thing that you thought you wanted isn't even on the radar of where your prayers need to be focused toward, right? It's just not where you need to be. And he'll do that sometimes just to, you know, appease the curiosity. He doesn't have to. He's God. He could say, nope, every single time. But sometimes he gives you a yes to show you for yourself that you just stop. OK, just just stop. It's OK. You don't actually want to do that. And sometimes we don't realize that until we do a thing. I thought I wanted to, but I don't. But again, let's go back to the tempering process. The silversmith pulls out the silver when he can see himself in it. God pulls you out of the fire for a season. Once he sees enough of himself in the reflection to say, now you're ready for the next step, right? Like I said before in a previous Bible study, God will tell you what the end goal is, and I'm grateful for it. But he will never tell you how you're going to get there. Why? Because we'd say, Father, keep it. That sounds like too much work. That sounds like I have to go through way too much pain and tribulation to get to it. I'm good. But I'm very happy knowing what my end goal is and not knowing how I'm going to get there. You may say that sounds crazy. I like to know how I'm going to get to an, an end process. But what's the fun in that? If I knew the answers to everything, there's no joy to be had in the, in the process, right? Of course, God is my joy. But where is the fun in doing it? When God gave out the first job to Adam, he just told him to name the animals and tend to the garden. He didn't say how to do it. He just gave him a mission and then let him figure it out with him. God told the disciples to go forth, and that's our job now, and to baptize the nations in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he never said how to do it. He just said to go forth and get it done, right? That I would do the greater works through you. And what does that happen? What, what does that cause? We have missionaries that go out all over the world that set up programs for people who don't know God and that are in these destitute places. And they receive the word. They're fed spiritually. They're fed physically. They have activities where they can come together and commune with each other. They can network and build relationships. They can form communities. Sound, you know, they have genuine fun and experience in this life that they wouldn't have otherwise unless God sent forth and gave us a mission. I mean, we, we can have fun. People look at Christians and say it's boring to be a Christian. Well, if you think not getting drunk every weekend, going out, spending all your money, spending like God knows what, sleeping with the next random person, having emotional anxiety, having mental breakdowns that you can track like it's a period is fun. Well, you can keep it. Because as someone who used to be there, I wouldn't trade this for the world. I will happily talk to you about the Lord every weekend until the day he takes me home. Because honestly, this is fun. It's fun seeing my brothers and sisters grow. It's fun seeing people who don't even know the first thing about the ever living God get to form their own relationship with him and kick Satan right in his mouth because that's what he deserves. He doesn't deserve to lord over your past over you because your past is your past. It's dead. So, yes, let God take the plate and break it. I want him to break it. I know it sounds crazy, but I'd rather go through it with him and become better than go through it in the world and lose my mind. Because that's all 
the enemy has to offer you some empty promises and some false hopes, which of nothing amounts to anything. We we think that it doesn't take all of this, as Granny said earlier in a conversation we had, but it does. Pray. I don't care if you don't feel like praying, just say a short prayer and ask God to give you strength to say more and watch it happens. You don't feel like reading? Well, we have smartphones. Let the Bible read to you and it'll sound so interesting. You'll want to look at the word yourself. Trust me, I've been there, done that. You don't want to check up on that person because they've been making you mad? Well, do it anyway. Pray and then do what you're led to do. If God says, just don't worry about it right now, I got them. Well, then that's your answer. But have the intent to want to do better. In the same way, have the intent to let God have full access to your plate. Let him kick it if he wants to. Because if he's going to kick it, he's going to make something brand new. Remember that. If we're to be reflections of who God is, you should never be satisfied with where you are because God is perfect and I'm far from it. So that means I need a lot of work done to me if people are going to see what Jesus looks like. And more so, they need to see what it looks like to have a relationship with him. We have loads of fun. Every single person in this in this Bible study, and I know each and every one of y'all personally, we get down, but we do it in a godly way. You can have fun and still bring glory to God. It doesn't require you getting drunk off your butt, you know? The Bible doesn't prohibit alcohol. What it prohibits is you being a dummy because he doesn't want that to happen. When we give way to our ability to condone ourselves or we submit our self-discipline to a substance or a person, then what we're really doing is, is we're taking the availability that should only be readily available to God away from him. And let me tell you something, as a God that can't have stuff being taken from him, if you try, you're getting into a fight that you're not going to win. So just play by his rules, you know. God has a heaven and he has a way to get there. And it's not our way. As Aunt Belva shared with us from Proverbs 16, it's a way that seems right to us as people, but it leads to the ways of death. And death doesn't equate to heaven. It does not. Death does not equate to a healthy relationship with Jesus. It equates to you getting balked over the head because you keep acting like you have no common sense. But above all else, and I'll leave you with this, is that God is good, right? He tells us what not to do so that we can focus on the things that we need to do. Like he told Martha when she was all upset about Mary not helping her fix the feast for them. Jesus straight up told her she's focused on the one thing that has importance in this world, meaning him, because he is the way, the truth, the life, the light. He is everything, the beginning and the end, the first, the last, the water at the well, the food, the manna from heaven. He is all that you require and certainly all that you could want. And he can provide any and everything, but it's not about that. It's about the relationship. Jesus didn't want us to have a religion. He wanted us to have a relationship and the religious aspect, according to the Bible, which we talked about very recently, is rooted in love. And love is a form of the relationship because it is the relationship. So let him smash the plate. OK, let him take the vase that looks pretty to you and let him chunk it at the wall because it's it's not it. 
Let him reform you into exactly what you can be. And it's going to hurt. It's going to suck at times. It's not going to feel good. You're going to have seasons of loneliness of where you feel like you're depressed, but you're not depressed. You're just sad because it's not even you, your spirit that's sad. It's your flesh. It's upset because it's not getting what it wants. But who cares what it wants? It got me in trouble in the first place. So I'd rather please Jesus and upset myself than to please myself and have God looking at me all cockeyed. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer simply saying thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much that some of the things that we like to say and, you know, want to take for gospel truth sometimes, it's just hearsay. Lord, I'm so thankful that you do actually put more on my physical plate than I can bear. Because when you put more on it, it has to break. And when a break happens, Father, you are provided with another opportunity to show forth how perfect your strength can be. Because when I'm weak, I'm strong in you, Lord. When I'm broken, I have a chance to become vulnerable, which we know through study. It's not a negative thing in you, Christ Jesus, but that to be vulnerable to you, Lord, means that I am now available to you to be stitched back together, but more so to be reformed, to be recombined, to just be created brand new. The Bible teaches us that any person that be in Christ Jesus is a new creature. And Father, each time you break us, you create a new creature. You're not concerned about fixing the old. You're in the business of making brand new. And I thank you for your restoration work because Father, to see where I am today opposed to where I was when I first started is a drastic difference. They are people that are so far apart that it doesn't even make sense that they would be in the same gene pool. But Lord, I thank you that they're not a part of the same gene pool because when I didn't belong to you, well, I, I happen to belong to the devil. But Lord, I thank you that you've grafted me into your family and have made me a joint heir to the throne of Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior, because I was born into this family as a newborn that you've had since day one. And Abba, I just want to say thank you. I thank you for all that you do because it helps make us into the better us that we can be, not just for self, but more so for you so that we can be a blessing to other people. When other people see us, as the silversmith said to the woman, we should be reflections of you, Christ Jesus. And since we are mirrors, it is our job to reflect what is presented in front of us. So the question that we should ask ourselves is, who are we showing off? Are we showing off us or are we showing off you? And if it is the prior answer, well, Lord, we surely need to show off more of you. So, Father, I thank you for all that you allow to happen in our lives because it is for our benefit. And Lord, we thank you for the benefit because this relationship that you've blessed us with only produces forth good fruit. It reaps forth a great harvest. And the more we invest in you, well, like you said about the farmer who scattered the seed, there is a, a 30, a 60 and a hundredfold increase. All we have to do is keep putting our time and our resources into you, Father, because we cannot be true blessing so father we say thank you we love you and we will be sure to give your name all the praise all the honor and all the glory which you so rightly deserve it's these things we thank you for in jesus name we pray amen and amen hey family i pray the lesson has blessed you in some way shape form or fashion today each week 
We hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed. Thank you.